Today, we are talking with Kathy Pearl, head of conversation design outreach at Google. Kathy is also the author of Designing Voice User Interfaces. She's been designing conversation interfaces of voice, text, and multimodal since 1999. We'll discuss how Kathy views AI, voice user interfaces, and emergent opportunities in online communications. So let's begin. Hello, Kathy. Hi there. Great. Let's just jump right in. Kathy, you've been working in the voice user interface space for almost 20 years. Can you describe how this field has evolved and specifically, how are you applying it now at Google? When I started working in the field of voice recognition uh, back in the late 90s, things were, things were definitely a little different. Um, really, the only sort of public mainstream usage of voice recognition was in automated phone systems where you could call up your bank or your airline and interact with them. Um, and back when we were building those systems, they were pretty brittle. And what I mean by that is, let's say we uh, ask the, the caller a question like, um, do you want to pay $100? And they might say yes or no. But we had to write down literally every possible permutation of that, like yes, yeah, yep, nope, uh, um, please, thank you, all these different things that could possibly come out of their mouth in answer to, to such a simple question. And things have really evolved in this, as far as the technology goes, and we're much better now at being able to recognize what people are saying without quite so much manual um, uh, intervention. But... One of the other things that's really changed is not about the technology per se, but more about the use case. So I sort of feel there was a first and a second era of voice user interfaces. And the first era were these automated phone systems. And the second era, I think, really kicked off when smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Assistant um, came out. And it's different in that on phone systems, it was about the business. It was about saving money. Uh, and things like that. And a smart speaker in your home is a little different. That's not something you could have called someone to say, set your timer or things like that. Instead, it's just a sort of more frictionless way to get things done. Um, in, and you can do it. It's great for hands-free things like if you're cooking, you're a new parent, you're holding a baby, uh, things like that. And so there's just this very different usage of the technology now that I, that I really like. Um, and as far as Google goes, we have the Google Assistant and Google is all about organizing the world's information and making it accessible. And the assistant is another way to do that in a, in a nice frictionless way, whether you're using your voice on the Google Home or whether you're typing on your phone or using a smart display. Um, it's another way to get the information you need. That's great. Um, Kathy, congratulations on your um, publication of Designing Voice User Interfaces. Can you talk a little bit about your book? Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, Basically, because this field is fairly new as far as designing for things like smart speakers, um, O'Reilly really recognized that there was a need to have a guide for people out there trying to develop for this. Um, and so I got the opportunity to sort of distill a lot of the, the, the knowledge and, and experience I've had over these last almost 20 years um, to try and make really a, my goal was to really make a practical guide for people to say like, I want to learn how to build one of these. What do I need to know and have it all in one place? Great. Um, and when you said O'Reilly, you meant Tim O'Reilly and the O'Reilly publication group. Right. I'm assuming. Yes. That's yeah. who published it. Great. Um, well, you've learned quite a bit about how humans interact with voice user interfaces. 
Can you provide some insight into the challenges and opportunities of VUI interacting with humans? I'd say there's two main challenges we're facing right now. The first one is what we call discoverability. And that's really about how do people know when they interact with one of these things, what they can or can't say. So if something like a voice assistant, there might be hundreds or even thousands of things that you could do with it, but how do you know what they are? Um, and so teaching people what's available and how to get access to it is, is a big challenge. The other aspect is really in the understanding part. So if you think about something like a traditional graphical user interface, like an app on your phone, when you tap a button or swipe, we know what you selected. With voice, it's a little bit more of an educated guess because there's just so many different ways that people can say things. Even something as simple as setting an alarm, you know, I want to set an alarm for 8 a.m. tomorrow. There's 50 different ways I could ask for that. I could say, you know, I want to set an alarm for tomorrow morning. I could say, hey, tomorrow I think I'd like to set an alarm. I might even say I want to set a timer for 8 a.m. It's not a timer. But a human would never say, I don't understand. They would say, oh, alarm. Okay, got it. So um, understanding this huge variance in the way people speak is a large challenge. And related to that is the fact that it's a very small signal. What I mean by that is, when we have a conversation with another person, we're getting so much information through things like pauses and body language and eye gaze. And we don't have any of that when we're just using uh, voice today. And so we have to cram a lot into just the words to really understand what people mean. Yeah, I would, I, when I think about myself and a lot of people, we are kind of passive waiting for Siri or our GPS to tell us what they think in terms of a very... Uh, menial tasks such as make a right here or a left there. Mm -hmm. uh, so how would somebody actually understand the capabilities and become more sophisticated so that it becomes a tool that is far more useful and valuable? Can you give some examples of how they can use it uh, in ways that they may not be familiar? As you were suggesting, there are so many different things that we can do with this. I think about a few aspects of, of the opportunities of voice. Um, some of them are fairly simple. Like one of the things I love about Google Assistant is I can say things like uh, I'm eating breakfast and I'm traveling that day and I can say, okay, Google, uh, is my flight on time? And because I've given Google permission to look at my calendar events, um, it can say like, yes, your flight's on time leaving at 1 p.m. And it's so much simpler for me than to get up and go get my phone and unlock it and find which airline app and try to remember my password and my frequent flyer number and blah, blah, blah. So there's little things like that that can sort of be, uh, be time savers and, and useful things. But lately, I've really been thinking about sort of a bigger picture about voice and mm -hmm. how it could really truly help people, not just be convenient, entertaining, and fun, but right. the fact that it can help with accessibility, for example. Um, one thing is, for example, with literacy, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal talking about how um, in some countries uh, like India, um, there's some of the population own smartphones, but their literacy is not super high. Maybe they're not really comfortable typing or reading, but they have this powerful smartphone. Um, with voice, you can just ask for the things you want, like what's the train schedule? And it's really empowering more people to get access to the internet in ways that they may not have been able to before. Um, it's also really powerful for things like um, cognitive uh, and physical. Uh, disabilities one might have. Um, for example, uh, if you maybe you have Parkinson's or something that doesn't allow you to have that fine motor control to tap and swipe on your phone the way you might want to, instead you can bypass that 
with voice or if you're quadriplegic, you can get access to things. You can control your bed so um, you don't get bed sores um, just using your voice in the middle of the night. So I'm personally very excited about that aspect of voice um, that goes out and can truly help people. And and having said that, all that stuff, doing inclusive design really benefits all of us. And you think about something like closed captions, which were designed for people who are deaf, but I use them when I go to the gym. I mean, there's so many of these technologies um, you know, maybe later in life I break my arm and I, and I need to use voice to, to uh, do my emails. These technologies um, can really help everybody. Those are great examples, Kathy. Um, and so, as you know, we're interested in the future of work and the interconnected individual. Our book is focused on democratizing opportunity and looking at where are the new career paths. Um, so, this seems to be a burgeoning career path for so many people who might be in psychology, communications, humanities, as well as obviously in the tech sector. So how do you view work and career opportunities for people who might be interested in this field? I think it's a great time to be in this field. More and more companies, more and more products, more and more people are wanting to get into these conversational experiences. Um, and one of the things that's really crucial is to apply good design. There are a lot of voice experiences out there that maybe technically quote work, but they're not good experiences and people don't, you know, they, they don't use them um, because they're not designed well. So for people who have a background in things like psychology or writing um, and have that really good curiosity and understanding of how people communicate is an incredibly important skill for designing and building all of these experiences. So in my mind, uh, for somebody who's interested in this field, there's really sort of two aspects that I think are super important. One is this more human side, where it's understanding um, that the way humans communicate is, is complicated. I mean, something simple, like if you ask me, um, do you want a cup of coffee? And I say, coffee will keep me awake. Does that mean, yes, I want a cup of coffee or no, I don't? It depends, right? If it's in the early morning and I've got a big project, it probably means yes. If it's right before bed, it probably means no. And understanding how to, to take those findings about how humans uh, converse and apply that to computers. And the second half is really an understanding of the technical constraints. So you don't have to be a programmer or a computer scientist, but really knowing that you can't just write any conversation you want and expect it to be built by the uh, engineers. You have to understand that there are limitations and be able to design around that. So to me, those are the, broadly the two types of skill sets that somebody needs. That's a fantastic insight. You know, uh, the, uh, the parallel I could think of as an architect is like a designer who has to understand the limitations of what the contractor can and can't do, right? Mm -hmm. Or the planning commission or whatever it is that is involved in a particular area. And this need of having so many different skill sets in, in terms of design is fascinating. As you know, I teach communications at San Francisco State, and so many of our students are looking at non-academic career paths. And it seems that this one would be absolutely uh, a perfect um, one for the future. So how would a communications person, let's say somebody who is taking a communications degree at a university, how would they prepare themselves uh, for career opportunities in uh, voice user interface? Right now, right now there isn't yet a like certificate or a major that you can get in, in conversation design, but there's lots of resources out there. A lot of them are free. 
that one could use to uh, really prepare for this career. So for example, um, Google has a design best practices website at actions.google.com design. And it outlines a lot of the best practices and principles for creating these conversational experiences, no matter where you're designing. Um, there are a lot of podcasts out there like Voice First FM with experts in the field talking about the challenges and the interesting projects they're doing. Um, tons of people to follow on Twitter. There's a great Women in Voice site um, for following women in this space. Um, lots of great content out there. So that's part of it. The other part I would say is just you learn by doing. And you can do that um, by starting off with something we call sample dialogues. And we cover that on our best practices site. Where basically you're just imagining and designing an experience between you and a voice user interface. And it's kind of like writing a movie script. You're writing, what did the user say? What did the computer say back? What did the user say? What did the computer say back? And you just write these things down and then you read them out loud like a table read you would do if you're writing. Mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. And you'll quickly, quickly find all, many places where your prompts maybe sound too formal or they don't make sense or the person you're doing the table read says something you didn't expect them to say when you um, you know, shared your, your dialogue. And so that's one way where you don't have to have any technical skills just to right off the bat start trying this out um, and you'll learn a lot. And then the next stage of that is finding, um, there's a variety of tools out there uh, that allow you to prototype voice and basically bring your sample dialogues to life. Some of them you can even launch on things like uh, the Google Assistant. We have a program called Dialogflow that you can do this with. And you can start playing around and trying out these experiences you've built. And it, it's like a great way just to quickly learn all the ways things can right. go wrong. Um, and also get feedback from other people, which is something that's really essential. So basically, uh, learn about the, the field by listening to podcasts, reading content, and then try it out yourself. Um, and that's the best way to really start to learn. Well, it's, this is a wonderful area of uh, expertise, Kathy, and you've been at it for a long time and you're around people at Google who are energetic, enthusiastic, bright, creating the future, et cetera. From a, a if you step back and think about making a difference in the world or improving uh, empathy, uh, how do you see this field in doing that, in working for the common good, improving empathy, enabling people to uh, maybe have more fulfilling lives, both as careers, but also those who are being served? I think part of it goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, inclusive design and it's not that voice is the, the end all be all um, for, for giving access to information, but it's mm -hmm. one channel that a lot of us, you know, we, we, we know from a very young age how to speak. And if we can build our technology to understand that, um, we can open up so many doors. Another thing I like this technology for are um, older folks who maybe don't have a smartphone or aren't comfortable using a computer, but now they want to communicate with their grandkids and their grandkids, all they do is text or Snapchat or whatever. And if they can use voice to send a text message or hear messages from their family, they're, they're back in, you know, back in their community. Um, and so I love the idea of, of, of voice bringing people together. And another way that it, I'm excited about with voice is that as an example at our house, um, we don't have, uh, during dinner, we don't have devices at the table, but sometimes we have questions. Uh, and so we can just turn to the smart speaker and I can say, you know, hey, Google, um, what's the longest bridge in the world? And we can talk about that. And the thing I love about it is, Everybody can hear the question I asked and everyone can hear the response and it's as if it joined our conversation as opposed to 
if I picked up my phone and started searching and next thing you know, I'm scrolling through social media and I'm, I'm lost to the table. Right. There was a, a great study uh, recently from NPR and Edison Research that showed about half the time that people are interacting with smart speakers, it's with someone else. And so a lot of us are really concerned with screen addiction and things like that. And, and I'd like to believe that voice is sort of one way out perhaps of, of this screen addiction that will still allow us to be connected in the ways we want to without drawing us away from other people. That's a fantastic way to sum up and also to position the work that you're doing, Kathy, which is quite amazing. And uh, for those who are interested, you could uh, follow Kathy Pearl um, on Twitter, I assume. Kathy, you have a handle. You're on LinkedIn and um, you know, you could reach out to Kathy with a question or comment on this podcast and, Great talking to you, Kathy. Thank you so much, and good luck in everything you do. Thank you so much for having me.